Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is wonderful to see you, and it's wonderful that you're joining us at home as well. It's a great blessing. Thank you very much. Just to let you know, that I'm wearing a T-shirt, not to be disrespectful, not to be rude or anything like that. It just falls in line with what I'm going to be sharing uh, with you this morning, because as shared by Caris, as shared by Jono, um, today is the final Sunday of 2020, is the end of, to say the least, a very interesting year. It has been a year that has been punctuated with loss, whether it might be a loss of life, a loss of careers, a loss of opportunities, a loss of relationships. And through this year, it has been somewhat heavy, somewhat dark on our very souls as we have moved throughout 2020. But it also has been punctuated with little glimmers of growth, as I have met people who are my age, like 49, 50 years old, who have had to get reskilled because they've lost their jobs. They've had to get reskilled in another career, another line of work, and they've done so successfully. And we've had skill sets, like I wouldn't know how to do anything on a computer, like editing. I've learned how to do that. Uh, where there are people, I, I, there's a wonderful church out in Toon Gabby, an old Anglican church, where the youngest person is like, sort of like 60 years old. And they've gone online, and, and, and they've actually done a really good job in, in, in actually communicating online, so they've grown in that skill set as well. So there's been little bits of growth taking place, and what is interesting is that as we look back on this past year, we can almost fall into the trap of desiring, of wishing, of longing for the way things used to be. And some sort of hope, a glimmer of hope that we may go back to being somewhat normal. The problem is, if you dwell in the past too long, and this is not discarding anything that Jonathan had said about us looking back, about us remembering, and about us reflecting, but if we spend all our time looking back and wishing for what was, you know how like, what old, like oh, I do this, as, old, as an old man, I do this, oh, remember the 80s? Oh, those were the days. Well, no, no, they weren't. The, the fashion was terrible in the 80s. What about the 90s? Oh, the 90s, those were the days. Well, they had good music back then, but... Yeah. Or what, about the, what about the thousands? I don't know, I think the thousands. What are they called? Millennials? <laughs> terrible, terrible. Yeah, but you can always long, you always long for those things of back in the day. But when you start looking back, you, start, you may, one, overlook, overlook the things that have been taught you, the growth that has taken place. Or you might come to underappreciate what you have in your hands right now. And the same thing happens in our Christian journey also, in our relationship with Jesus Christ as Christians, we have, with everything that's been going on, with the difficulties that have been experienced or the hardships that we encountered, we can dwell on this thing and think, well, why? Why has God allowed this to take place? Why did God take me through such a difficulty? And we completely overlook, we completely overlook that According to scripture, God works all things, not some things, not most things, all things together for good to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purposes. Romans 8, 28. And, and in that, and in that knowledge of God working, of God moving, of God involving himself, we, hence my t-shirt and Carissa's t-shirt and, I mean, Pam tried, but she wore the wrong t-shirt. Okay. But with, with all of that, we, we, Pam, okay, anyway, sorry. 
But in all of that, we can take comfort and confidence in the fact that we can press on for the glory of God. That we can press on in the face of difficulty, press on to victory, because we are pressing on with Jesus. We are pressing on with Him, and He is pressing on with us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite my brother Jono back because you can never have too much of a good thing. And I'm going to ask brother Jono to come back and read for us today the passage of Scripture, which is Philippians 3, verses 12 to 21. Jono, please. Thanks, Joe. Do you want me to read from your one? Yeah, bro. That's fine. Uh, Philippians 3, verses 12 to 21. Not that I have already attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. For one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained, uh, to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Mm. And we eagerly await the Saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Thanks, Jono. If you'd just like to bow your heads, let's open in a word of prayer as we look at the Word of God together. Father, we thank you so much for your love that you have manifest to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for the goal that you have set before us, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you so much that you have enabled us and empowered us to live in the newness of life that has been granted to us through the forgiveness of sin and being regenerated by your very spirit. And now as we look into the scriptures, we ask that you will minister to our hearts, that you will stir our hearts to press on, that you will stir our hearts with a vision of yourself, that you will stir our hearts with the promises that are held within your scriptures, that you will stir our hearts that we might be enthusiastic about the wonderful, precious gift of salvation that has made us new in Christ. So now, Lord, we ask for you to move to all that are listening here now, that you will move, that you will challenge, that you will convict, and that you will change us to be more like your son. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Now, we have heard and we have read this passage from Philippians 3 numerous times. That whole idea of pressing on that is spoken about in verse 14. Now, I don't want to focus on verses 12, 13, and 14 because we have heard that numerous times. But it's interesting that Pastor John Bevere, when you look at that phrase, pressing on, that you press on, 
Pastor John Bevere makes this comment. He says, when you press on, it implies resistance. It implies some type of opposition. And in the process of pushing and of enduring and pressing on through that endurance, what takes place within us is strengthening. What takes place in us is growth. What takes place in us is development. Yes, the process may be slowed, the journey might be slowed, but in that slowing, because there is resistance and you don't give up, that you endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As Paul says to Timothy, what, in, what involves, or oh, sorry, what results in us is growth, is strength, is development. But there are several things that we need to be aware of as we press on. Several things that are connected to how we live as we press on towards the goal of God's call in Christ. And that's what I want us to look at today from verses 15 through to 21. And we read this. The first thing we take from verse 15 is this, that it is a journey we take with Jesus. It is a journey we take with Jesus. Now, I have referenced Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, numerous times over the years. And the reason for such repetition is because it is such a beautiful truth that you and I need to hold on to. It is something that we should never be forgotten. It should never be forgotten. Being confident of this very thing. I quoted it on Friday at the Christmas service. Being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will continue it, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In a summary, God starts the work, God continues the work, God completes the work. I want you at home, I want you here, I want you to memorize that verse. That should be written upon the table, table of your heart. That should be within your very soul. You should be immersed in that reality because this is a truth that is evident irrespective of what you go on to. Romans 8.28, Philippians 1.6. Memorize those two verses. God is moving. God is developing our characters. He is shaping our minds continually as we spend time in His Word, as we dwell in His presence, as we commune with Him in prayer. And he is doing so because he is faithful to what he has promised us. He will do what he has promised he will do. Thus, when we read in verse 15, we read this. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. All of us then who are mature should take a view, such a view of such things. Now, this could be, I guess you could consider this speculation, I guess you could consider this unfair, but I take from this a specific point regarding where we might actually be in our Christian journey, where we might actually be in our relationship with Jesus. And that is dependent upon what you choose to prioritize in your life. What you choose to prioritize in your life may actually indicate your heart condition before God. Because he says this, you, you, I mean, if you consider yourself a mature Christian, if you consider yourself a growing Christian, Paul says that if one is mature in their faith, then one's view should be that of verses 13 and 14 of chapter 3. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended 
or as I've already attained, as it says in the NIV, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's uh, the New King James Version. But he says this, that if you are mature, this should be your view, to forget those things that are behind and to press on to those things that are before, that you press toward the mark, that you press toward the goal. One's view should be verses 13 and 14, if you consider yourself a mature Christian, as you align yourself with the same attitude of Paul by considering all things but dung compared to the exceeding greatness of Christ and his glory. That's in verse, says verses 7 and 8. And in the, I think in NIV it says, as garbage. I prefer, I prefer dung. I, prefer, I mean, that sounds really bad. Yeah, I prefer dung, personally, but no. He says, I like the description as dung. reason why is because garbage, another man's, you know, what, what, one man's garbage is another man's treasure? You can't say that about dung. It's not like Jono's going to take some dung and think, oh, do you don't want this anymore, Joe? Yeah, you can have it, Jono. No, he's not going to do that, is he? At least I hope he's not going to do that. That's, that's the whole point, that it's, that's a complete and utter uselessness to you as an individual. For when this is one's focus... We have connected to this promise of the first part of verse 15. The second part, it says, And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. This is exciting. It is here we are reminded of the Lord's work together with us in our lives as his child. That like a loving father who guides and who informs and who directs his own children, investing into them, preparing them by equipping them with the necessary skills to live life, so too does God do the same with us as well. That as we press on to the goal, if we have another focus, if we have created another goal that differs from verse 14 of pressing toward the mark, it says this, God will reveal that to you. He'll show you. He'll show you, Joe, your motivation is wrong. Joe, you're living for yourself. Joe, you're relying on your own strength. God will reveal that to us when we start to move away from his vision, from his goal. Because from the scriptures, we know where our eyes are to be. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus. We know how we are to live, 1 Peter 1.15, to be holy because he's holy. We know what we are to be doing to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season in 2 Timothy 4.2. And when our pressing on changes, this direct promise states that if we are, if we are mature, that God will make clear to us when our focus changes. Matthew 6.33, when our motivation changes, 1 Corinthians 5.14, when our source of strength changes, Philippians 4.13, when our sensitivity to a spirit changes, and when our foundation changes, when, when our vision, when our foundation, when all of these things change, God in his grace will make it Known to us. You know what that's called? That's called being sensitive to the Spirit. 
This is called being conformed to the image of Christ. This is called being transformed from the inside out. This is called being worked with. And this is what? It is a journey with Jesus Christ. As he involves himself in your life, and in your life, and in my life. It is why verse 16 makes so much sense. It says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. What have we attained in order for us to live up to? It's huge. I mean, you read. So if Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we have achieved this. We have achieved the kingdom of God as a citizen of heaven. Ephesians 2.19. If 1 Corinthians 5.14 talks about the love of Christ that compels me or that motivates me, we have the love of God in Christ as his child in 1 John 3.1. If Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, then we have the power of God in Christ's gospel. Romans 1.16 is the power of God unto salvation. If Ephesians 5.18 speaks about us being controlled by the Spirit, do not be drunk with wine, but be controlled with the Spirit, then we have the voice of God in His Word in Hebrews 4.12. If 1 Corinthians 3.11 looks at him being a solid foundation that no other man can lay, we have the fact that our God never changes. The immutability of God who never changes in James 1.17. These are the truths that have been granted to us. These are the truths that we have been attained. These are the truths that we are called to live by and can live by according to the power of his Spirit. It is the living out of who we have been made in Jesus Christ. The outworking of who we are that flows naturally. It is the joint venture, the joint venture of walking with the Lord and the Lord walking with me. This is the blessing of journeying with Jesus. Never at one point does he say, Joe, make it on your own. Never at one point does he say, Joe, you've got this all on your own strength. Never does he say that. Never. He is always right beside me. He has empowered each one of us who have trusted in Christ with his very spirit to live in accordance with his beautiful truth. That is brilliant. Uh, An old theologian by the name of George Wigram said this, When one thinks of the wondrous glory of Christ. How astonishing that he can join with us. When one thinks of his bringing many sons to glory at such a cost, one is lost in adoring amazement. Let us adore him, for he is journeying with us as we walk the lives that he has blessed us with. That's the first part. That it is a journey with Jesus. But as a journey with Jesus, we need to bear in mind this fact as well. That it's a journey we take with difficulty. It's a journey we take with difficulty. I'm not going to dwell too much on this point. But as Paul says to Timothy, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Which is, in all honesty, makes perfect sense. We belong to a different kingdom. We are children of light. 
We are not of this world, but we are in this world. There's an old movie from the late 90s, early 2000s, Behind Enemy Lines, uh, starring Owen Wilson. It's all right. It's all right. I just like the title. Because this is what we are. We are behind enemy lines. We live in a world that is in complete opposition to us. Now, I know that this idea of difficulty, I know that this idea of hardship isn't the nicest of truths to behold. It's not one of the nicest truths to, to actually hear, especially in society today, especially at Christmas, where there is a growing resentment to the person of Jesus Christ and to anybody who seeks to hold on to and live in accordance with not only the name of Jesus, but the truths of Jesus as well. But here Paul offers an encouragement to this church and in turn to us by saying not that they'll be free from difficulty, but rather to look to the examples of godly men and women who have gone through such things and remained steadfast, who have gone through such things and been victorious through the power of God, who have gone through such things and are still faithful. There is a book called Finishing Strong by Steve Farrar. If I would encourage anybody to, everybody, if you're a Christian, read this book. He has some very interesting statistics. One of the things he says, he says 90% of Christians in ministry will fall away. Only, one, only 10% will finish strong. Only 10%. And he actually did this. When he got given that statistic at Bible College, he wrote a list of all the people that were in his class. All the people in his class. And then after you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, he comes back to that list and he says every so often there were names he had to cross off. Names he had to cross off. Names he had to cross off. And in each name he crossed off, it ended up that there was only a 10% left of his class that was still faithfully serving. I thought, wow, that's insane. I mean, he actually gives a story, well, of Chuck Templeton and Billy Graham and one other evangelist and how the three of them all started off together as evangelists in the 50s and 60s. And of the three, Billy Graham was the only one that stayed faithful to the end. One became an atheist. He's actually quite a well-known atheist. If you look up Chuck Templeton, he's actually there. And the other gentleman died alone as a drunk, which was really quite sad. But that's the reality. This is the world that we live in. And so we are encouraged by Paul in verse 17. He says this, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Remember what Paul says in Corinthians? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul's not sitting there saying, Look at us, look at us. Look at us. Be, be like Paul. Be like Bar-. He's not saying that. He's saying, Be like Christ as others who serve faithfully, as others who have their eyes on heaven, as others who prioritize the things of God. Look to the examples that are around you. In all honesty, there are some great men and women of God, even within our GCC family, that I look to and am just so encouraged by. And I see, I see men who have been in ministry for longer than I've been alive. Like, I'm, I'm 49 years old. I mean, and they've been, they've been in ministry faithfully serving for longer than I've been alive. And people are looking at that brother right now. You know? But you see, you see that example. And I don't look at that brother as like, oh, well, look at that brother. No, I look at that brother as look at what God has done in this man's life. Look at how God has molded this man's life. Look at how God has changed this man's life. This is what he's talking about. Look to those people who have served faithfully and point you to Jesus Christ. 
See, in verse 17, we see the necessity of others. We see the necessity of the body of Christ. You might think that you're not very important. You might think that you are not valuable. Not according to the body of Christ. Everybody plays their part. Everybody would influence somebody else for the glory of God. This is the necessity of the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters who are of one mind, of one heart, of one purpose, of one goal. We see people who go through some horrendous struggles and come out the other end victorious. Has their situation changed? No. But their vision is on heaven. Their vision is on Christ. Their goal is to be pleasing to him above all else and serve faithfully. We see people who encounter difficulty and fallen by the wayside. Because, like, you know when I talked about pressing on and that struggling? It's, it's when you give up. It's when you give up. It's when you start relying on your own step and take your, if you take your eyes off the goal and look at yourself, that's when you're just like, oh, I just don't want to do it anymore. And it's then that the enemy snatches you. It is then the enemy will catch you up. It is then that your enemy gets your eyes off the Lord Jesus and onto your situation. The exhortation is to look and to see people who, even in the midst of hardship, like Job, remain steadfast in their trust of God and in that process be transformed and, be, and be, be shaped in those hardships. There's a wonderful quote by Alan Redpath. I really like Alan Redpath. He's got some, he's got some great quotes. He's the one that said, um, if, before we can pray, thy kingdom come, we must first be able to pray, my kingdom go. That's, that's his quote. He says this, Circumstances which we have resented, situations which we have found desperately difficult, have all been the means in the hands of God of driving the nails into the self-life which so easily complains. Read that again. Circumstances which we have resented, situations which we have found desperately difficult, have all been the means in the hands of God of driving the nails into the self-life which so easily complains. Gold is purified by the fire. That's what removes impurities. You want to know why in persecuted countries where the church is persecuted, why the church is holy, why the church is faithful, why the church is steadfast? It's because the fires of persecution have actually removed all of the dross, all of the impurities to present to himself a pure bride pleasing in his sight. The way things are going in Australia at the moment, we're going to be moving there. We're going to be moving there. And in that persecution, there's going to be removal of of impurities within the body of Christ. There'll be a removal of those that are playing church. A removal that that are just acting the way Christians are supposed to act instead of having a developing and real relationship with him. It is why in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, we read of this reality where the devil walks about seeking whom he may devour, who will resist steadfast in the faith. But in verse 9 we see this. Family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. What you're going through, and I mean, even honestly, the persecution that we experience here is pretty much non-existent at the moment. But know this, it may not even be persecution. It might be just hardship, it might be difficulty, it might be struggle. But know this, brothers and sisters within the body of Christ may be experiencing the same thing. Brothers and sisters in the body of Christ may have gone through the same thing and come out the other end faithful to the Lord. 
And this is why I would encourage all you guys at home, I would encourage all of you here, be involved with each other. Be involved with each other. Everyone say that together. Ready? Go. One, two, three. Be involved. Okay. That was pretty bad, but all right. But it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the, I remember um, Andrew Finn. If you're watching this, hey, bro. Andrew Finn shared that when he actually he went to a study and he was with Alison, Alison Lee. And it was really interesting because she has been through a lot of the various things that he was just encountering as he went into his job. And as he went to his job, he actually was able to learn from Ali. And Ali said, well, there was this, there was this, there was this, and there was this. And he was able to glean spiritual truths to enable him to stand steadfast and represent Jesus Christ faithfully in the job that he took. Be involved with each other. That's what's important. That's the necessity of the body of Christ. Why? Because how the world is described in verses 18 and 19, it says this, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Tim Keller, uh, is a preacher I like to listen to, he made this observation that with the increase of scientific and technological advancements, many have made the claim that God's relevance has become obsolete. But after a study being done, he says the interest and the, the actual growth in numbers of people concerned with spirituality has actually increased tremendously that people haven't actually discarded. With the increase of scientific advancements, people have not moved further to atheism. People have moved more to the side of spiritualism. But it's of note that it is a spiritualism absent of Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual interest that does nothing or has nothing to do with the Son of God. These are the people destined for destruction, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that find it in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. There are people governed by their natural hungers, evident by entertainment, evident by society. I mean, think about it. We are evident by people who find various means to entertain themselves, various means to find pleasure, various means to have their whole life focused around what makes them feel good. With the increase of streaming services, with the increase of dating apps, with the increase of more amusements, more extreme thrills, more, more avenues that, to meet personal lusts and personal interests. Here's what's fascinating, is that society today takes pride in those things. They're not ashamed of them. Things that would have been shameful to people 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, people take pride in now. People think it's hilarious. People think it's just fun. And that's why in verse 19 it says, all of their concerns are this world. That's it. All their concerns are this world. All they're concerned with is the here and now. What feels good now? What satisfies me now? What makes me look good now? What entertains me now? What meets my need now? This marks are people who have set their mind on earthly things. Now, I'm not digging at anybody, I'm not saying anything, but I find that I've met more and more Christians the longer I'm being alive that have their mind set on earthly things. 
They are more concerned with the here and now, as opposed to having our affections set on things above, as it says in Colossians 3.2, to, to lay our treasures in heaven, as the Lord Jesus says. But if this is the world that we live in, even in the midst of this life, we can be comforted as his people because it is also a journey we take with hope. We take with hope. Yes, this year has been hard for different reasons and to varying degrees, but we always held on to some sort of hope that things could get better. Gladys, Miss Gladys, she's done a good job. She's done a good job. And people have this hope that we won't shut down again. I mean, New South Wales has done a brilliant job in keeping things contained, whereas other states have taken extremes and found out their extremes hadn't really worked. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we of all people are to be the most hopeful. For we read at the end of this chapter why we can have hope. Why? Verse 20. Because our citizenship is in heaven. We can have hope because of the kingdom that we belong to. In 2012, there was a movie done by Ben Affleck called Argo. And the story was about a hostage situation that took place in Tehran. And there were six hostages taken. Uh, and these six hostages, were uh, they worked at the, the embassy there in Tehran. And these, the, the U.S. government went all out to save these six hostages, which they did successfully. It's, really, it's a really interesting movie. It's done very, very well. It was pretty amazing. Now, here's the thing. We can have hope because we are on foreign soil. You could call this church building our embassy. We are behind enemy lines. We're behind, sorry. I, anyway, we are behind enemy, enemy lines. And as citizens of God's kingdom, we know that he has made available to us the power of his spirit, the promises of his word, the support of his people, and the blessing of his presence because we are his. We belong to his kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 7 to 9 says this, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Stop. You do not lack, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm. He will also keep you firm. Two things there. You will not lack, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Three verses, three powerful statements. You have no lack. You do not lack. He will keep you firm and he has called you. That's what we have as being children of God, as being disciples of Jesus Christ as being behind enemy lines in the embassy of God's kingdom. We do not lack. We do not lack. We, he keeps us firm and he has called us. That is why we can have hope. We can have hope, as we read in verse 20, and we eagerly await a saviour from there. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He is coming back, we can have hope. I, I pine for my wife when she's away from me for too long. I mean, I don't like sit there in my bed and go, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. Not, not very often anyway. But when my wife was away, I look forward to her coming back when she's gone away too long. When I've gone away too long, I long to see my family when I've been away on a trip. Man, I miss one week of church to go away and do something. I miss you guys. I miss being amongst the people of God. I take one week off. It wasn't one week off. I had to go to a conference. But I was away one week, and I felt like I'd been away for a month. I come back. I was like, Jono, you've grown. Outwards. I'm sorry, Jono. I'm just picking on Jono today. Yeah, I'm sorry, bro. Okay, but you know what I mean? You just feel, you feel so distant from people, okay, when, when that happens. But we can have hope because of the Lord's return. We are, for want of a better phrase, like I said, behind enemy lines, but we expectantly await the Lord's return that was promised by Jesus in John 14, verses 1 to 3. It was confirmed by the angels in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, when Jesus ascended. And he says, why do you stand here looking up? The same Jesus that you saw ascend into the heavens will come so in like manner. As well as confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, when he says, yes, I am coming soon. That's why we can have hope. Because he's coming back. Living in such a manner would prompt a person to ask you, what or who are you waiting for? It's like when you're standing there. Sometimes, and this has happened to me numerous times where I've gone shopping, and because I look the way I do, I get questioned approached, usually by security guards. But I remember one time, I'm standing there, my wife was inside the shop, and I'm standing out there, a guy comes there, uh, what are you waiting for? Because apparently... I just, I'm just waiting for my wife, she's shopping. Oh, okay then, and then we, we got to talking and stuff. But it, it happens to me a lot. You see people just loitering around. Who are you waiting for? Who are you waiting for? We are to live in such a manner that people will ask us, who are you waiting for? I'm waiting for the Lord Jesus. I'm living in a manner where people, why are you doing that? Because I'm living and waiting for the Lord Jesus. Who are you waiting for? What, what, what are you doing? This is done so because the Lord Jesus promised that he's coming back soon. That's why we can have hope. Because he is the ultimate promise keeper. He said he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. It's like when your parent goes out. <laughs> Growing up, my dad would say, oh, you wait till I get home. Oh, now this is a different time. When my, when my God says I'm going to be coming back, I'm like, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. As opposed to being disciplined by my dad. But anyway, that's another story. That's another sermon entirely. All right. But why can we have hope? Why can we have hope? Verse 21, because of the transformation that has been worked within our very souls right now. That God is working in us right now. Why can we have hope? Verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We can have hope because God has manifest his power by bringing all things under control and that same power is working to transform me into his glorious image to have his glorious body i mean the confidence of knowing someone who knows what they're doing on your side that is comforting that that gives you hope for example, if we had a Bible trivia competition and I had Pastor John and Pastor Ben and Uncle Fred on my side, I'd be pretty confident that we would win that. 
I'd be like, yeah, I'll just move all the answers over to Pastor John and Pastor Ben. You got this, brother. Well done. If I was to play, if I was to play futsal, play futsal, and I'd have the Finn brothers, because I know they used to play back in the day, you know, well, way back when, when Nick was fit and, 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 and Andrew was lighter and, and Michael wasn't married. But anyway, that's got nothing to do with it. It's just, I don't know Michael at all. Your brother's name is Michael, right, Nick? It's not. What's his name? It is. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. But I know, okay, like we may not win, but I know that my chances of winning would be a lot better if I had the Finn brothers on my side. If I was to play basketball and I had Jono on my side, and, and well, no, not Adam, but if I'd have Jono on my side, I'd say, look, we'd probably do a lot better. Okay, we'd probably, we'd probably win that as well. Okay, if I created my own footy team, from the various people in their primes in the time I've been alive, man, we would be unstoppable. That's the confidence. That's confidence of when you have someone who knows what they're doing on your side. We have the creator of all life. We have the giver of life. We have the bringer of grace. We have Jesus Christ who by his spirit is working in us and changing us. We have the very creator of life to give us the ultimate confidence toward life. When you realize and understand that you are connected to Christ. I mean, remember, remember when we looked at the person of Christ at Christmas, that he is the word who was with God, and the word was God in John 1.1, 1, 1, that he is the one above all and, and before all and through whom all things were made in Colossians 1.15 to 18. He is the one who will take this lowly body and transform it into a glorious body like his own, who will... According to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 53 and 54, the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That is why we can have hope. So, as this year closes, as another year is about to begin, let us not remain in the past. We can learn from it, but let us not remain there, but rather remain in Christ. Let us not dwell on past failures, but rather dwell in his presence. Let us not spend all our time looking back like Lot's wife did in Genesis, back to what was, but rather look to Jesus who is the captain of our salvation. David Jeremiah said this, The Lord intends us to be powerful people, mighty in optimism and hopeful of spirit, powerful in evangelistic zeal, potent in influence, sturdy in moral fiber and purity. We can be powerhouses in prayer and preaching. And I want to add to that, because we are in Christ. For while we press on, we can be comforted because our journey is with Jesus. Strengthened in Jesus when our journey becomes difficult and hopeful because Jesus is continually working in us. Now, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask them for this, should I say. But I want to invite Chris and Pam back up. And I want us to sing, Let Us Adore. I, I, I just, I'm sorry. But 
We're going to do that. We're going to close the prayer. I'd like you all to stand up at home and, and here as well as we close in this song, and then I will close in prayer after that. Thank you. Heavens declare the glory of God, and all of the world will join the praise. His wonders proclaim the oceans and skies lift up their voice, and all He has made. The King of all kings, let us adore Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you are worthy of all praise. This is close in prayer. Father, we come before you now and we adore you as our God and as our Savior. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have given us. We thank you that you journey with us. We thank you that even in difficulty you give us strength. We thank you that we are of all people the most hopeful because you are coming back. You are involving yourself with us. You are changing our bodies into your glorious body. So we ask for you now to dismiss us. May we press to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. May we be of single focus as we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. May we as your people be united in heart and in soul and in purpose as we represent you as the body of Christ. So we ask for you to dismiss us now and thank you for your faithfulness this past year. And we thank you for your continued faithfulness in the year to come. And we ask you to dismiss us in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, everybody at home. God bless. Keep pressing on and look up.